Hello, church. This is a very special day for us, and then in the history of this congregation, it is celebrated each time that the seniors are ready to step out into the next level. And that's the reason that we have welcomed up to our stage and ask you to welcome with me uh, Braden, who, was, uh, who filled in for me last week. Yeah. And I'll decide to overlook the fact that you don't normally applaud for me and move on. <laughs> this, uh, no, 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 it's too late. No. I, I've been in this business a long time. I know what a pity clap is. Um, this lesson today is entitled The Village of Faith. That, and we're taking it from actually a book that caused a lot of controversy. Uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton wrote a book back in the 90s called It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. And there were howls of protests because people said that's pushing a socialist idea. Might have been. I never read it. Uh, the fact is, however, none of us raise our children on our own. We do create a village of some sort. And the church is very much our village. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was how we raised our kids. We, we said we were Deuteronomy 6 parents. And I'll, I'll tell a wee story here, actually. We let our daughter go spend the night with one uh, family. And they, um, they called me the next morning. And they said, we're studying Galatians for our morning devotions with our children. We wanted to make sure that worked with what you guys were doing. We said, yes. We, we didn't do standard devotions with our kids. They were six year, years apart. It wouldn't really work. We did it this way. So let's have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk down the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. As a dad, I know how some of you dads feel, and I'm assuming how some of the moms feel, but haven't been a mom for a long time. So as a dad, I know how you feel on a day like today. You're wondering how this day got here this fast. And you feel like you, you didn't really have enough time to do the Deuteronomy 6 thing. There were more things that you wanted to say, and you, you wonder if your child is pre as prepared as you wish that they were. That is one of the reasons why the shepherds here at 4th Avenue brought youth ministry into the life of our congregation. And why this village of faith has given so much time and resources into the work in every week, really, in the children and youth in order to fund it and keep it going. Students and children ministries are, are rather new to the story of our church, at least in the capacity of official staff and, and, and departments and, and funding and budgets. These official ministries arrived around 70 years ago in our 2,000-year-old faith, and many of our churches have only added them 20 or 30 years ago. And the idea of separating out the children for their own service, their own worship experience is even newer. But, but while we separate, while the, while the kids go downstairs to have a worship service that is geared for their age group, we have no intention whatsoever in creating ghettos or, or silos or, or separate departments 
And you have no idea what that ghetto means. I'm not talking about the ghetto you think about, but um, separate departments, you know, where, where the, the students go over on this end of the building and the children go downstairs and are kept away and, and the young marrieds and the, the college age and, and the, the empty nesters and the singles ministry, they all have to fight out for space and, and resources for what's left. That, that, kind of, that kind of compartmentalization where, where we just go our separate corners, that would be tragic. We do our best work when we remember the community and work within it. This may shock some of you that haven't really noticed or paid much attention, but I'm not a very tall man. <laughs> Give him time. Uh, and and it, it's very rare that I'll be in Kroger or in, in, in a, a shop somewhere and somebody will say, could you reach that for me? Well, hi. They never asked me to reach that for them. And I, but when they do, I feel so amazing. I really do. Because now, you know, yes, I, I will reach that for you. Then I find a can't. I have to call for help. But the point, I don't, I don't want you to miss the point. The point is I can't reach everywhere I'd like to reach. There are so many places I cannot go. But while I cannot reach them all, I can reach them through you. There are so many works that this congregation does. If you're a visitor here, first of all, welcome home. But second, you need to know that there are so many ministries here. There are so many ways to get connected here. I, I, do, I cannot go to Nicaragua. My schedule, my work, all this other won't let me do that. But I can get there through you. There are some things I can do in Franktown and Hard Bargain and some other things I cannot do. But I can do those other things through you. Being in the village means your reach extends far beyond you you are able to touch far more people than you could ever touch on your own. In our community, teens, you have a place. And you have a place here even when you're tired of hearing your parents' voices. And that, that happens. Because the only thing that teens know for certain is that they're not you. They, that's all they know as in their search for identity. And so they have to get those voices from elsewhere. But if you bring them to the village, if you've raised them in the village, if you've done the Deuteronomy 6 thing, here they've heard the voices of the shepherds. They've heard the praise team with hundreds of songs. They've heard ministers. They've had Bible classes, teachers, even more. I mean, there's a little white Bible. It's a New Testament in Psalms that I have that was given to me by my kindergarten Bible class teacher. And she wrote in it, a long time ago, and I know she didn't come up with this on her own. She says, this book will keep you from the devil, or the devil will keep you from this book. I wouldn't take a million dollars for it. If you'd like to offer more than that, no, I wouldn't take. <laughs> she, when I wasn't listening to mom and dad anymore, I still didn't want to disappoint that lady that gave me that Bible. It's part of my village. When these teens joined in on mission trips or in local charitable work, they heard the voices of seniors that were there, empty nesters that were there, young professionals that were there. They heard the voices of the community, the village of faith. And this not only expands our reach, it stretches our vision out further and further. H having children changed my outlook on life and ministry forever. There is so much information out there that's at our fingertips that, well, let's call it village gathered information. But I never cared about it until we had our firstborn son, Rylan, in 2010. Uh, when we first found out that we were pregnant with Rylan, 
like we were overjoyed and ecstatic like we were so excited and and Lindsay like she she wanted as much information as possible she saw every documentary she got her hands on every magazine she 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 read every book on what it means um, to to be with child and to have a child and to raise a child I on the other hand fell asleep during the first chapter of what to expect while you're expecting and um, it wasn't until I held him in my arms in that hospital on the day he was born and all the fathers in this room know what I'm talking about when you look into the eyes of your newborn baby and you're just like wow this is mine <laughs> it's scary isn't it and I don't know what to do so at that moment I said I'm going to find out as much information as possible on how to raise my children on how I, I don't want to break them I don't want to mess them up and and so I, 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 I became a sponge I soaked up as much information as possible on, on newborn babies and and one of those facts I learned that day um, still sticks with me today. Uh, did you know that, that when a baby is born, a newborn baby, in the first few hours of their, their life, they can't see past the end of their nose? And, and their, their vision is only nose deep. And, and every day they, they live, the vision expands a little bit further. And in the first few months of their life, their vision only can reach 8 to 10 inches from their face. And then every day that they live, their vision expands and expands. Isn't that life? Isn't that life? Like every day we're alive, our vision increases a little bit more. We see just a little bit further each day we're alive. If we do it right, our vision is not just made out of the things we see, but the experiences we have and the experience we can tap into from other people as well. It is a product of our eyes along with the knowledge and wisdom and experience we gather from our lives, but also the lives of those around us. I've only been here for a few months. Uh, and, and yet you already know that I'm going to talk to you a lot about story and love. And that's what I want to talk to the teens about now. And I normally turn here for the teens, but I've noticed a lot of the teens are sitting with their parents today. This is the we will sit with you today day. <laughs> so wherever you are, teens, this is where mileage matters. To the teens, we love you. We think you're wonderful. And if you think I'm going to follow that with a but, you're right. We love you and we think you're wonderful, but you don't know some things. And the only way to know them is to live through them or to hear the stories of those who've lived through them. Mileage matters. File that away in the databanks. Mileage matters. The only way to know what the older members here know is to hear their story, to love them enough to take the time to listen to them. Yeah. And, and teens who do not have a faith community have very few resources and information about life and what it means and how to live it. Here in the community of faith, or our, our village, we have a wealth of information and guidance. We, we, on, on top of the experience of those who, who've lived around us longer than us, we have scripture, which is thousands of years old. We, we have the, the Holy Spirit, who's dwelling among us and we have each other people in all life stages people who are younger than us uh, by a few years but people who have lived a couple years more than us and even decades longer than we have and and they are ready and they are willing to help you know what's around the next corner and how to get ready for it this this past year on Tuesday mornings before staff meeting I, I've been meeting with Albert Lemons he's, he's on staff with us here and, and the the insight he has on how to live life and family and ministry have been invaluable to me. Albert, I gotta tell you, 
my time with you on Tuesday mornings has changed my life. Like, I so appreciate your wisdom and clarity that you bring to my own life. I, I appreciate it so much. And, and um, though, for those of you with poor observational skills, um, Albert's a little bit older than me. I don't know if you've noticed that. Just a little bit, a couple years older than me. Um, yet in the village of faith, we do not cast aside the older members, and the, and the older members do not cast aside the younger members. Te teens, we must remember that, that it was the older members in this congregation who paid for the rooms that we meet in, and the rooms that we worship in, and, and the trips that we go on. That this building is not their legacy, but you are. And we can continue that. Yeah, and just as they gave up so much so that you could have older members, let's talk to you. Remember, these younger people are next in line to be the elders of the village. Yeah. Now, look at the frightened look on their faces. Aren't they, aren't they cute when they're scared? They need to build their songs. They need to build their traditions, just like you did. The world looks at us, by the way, and shakes its head. They just don't get it. How can such a disparate group hold together, old and young, all different races, all different economic groups? How can this continue? But it has continued for 2,000 years because it is, a, it is a story. It's a river of faith. It is a village of faith. And one group treasures the other, and they each listen to each other. We have an answer for how does this hold together. Faith in God and dedication to love. We love God and we love each other. Look at Deuteronomy 6 again. We're going to look at it, read it again, and notice that it starts with the fact that God is and then goes right into love. Every day, by the way, every day, a couple of times a day, the people of Israel would say that first verse, that verse 4, and they would sing it out loud. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first thing to remember is there is a God. And the second thing is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. This is a heart-driven village. Look at the next set. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your head, hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And by the way, if you go home and start painting things on your house, you've misunderstood what it's saying. It's saying make every day and every moment a teaching moment in the village of faith. Make every interaction a holy interaction because there is a God and we are the people of love. That's how we raise our children and teens. That's the story you are responsible for carrying forward to the next group in line. Jesus recognized the love of God as the first and greatest commandment. He calls us to love one another with all of our heart. Notice that, that heart is mentioned first, not mind. I, I want you like to notice the children when they come down and, and, and every Sunday and they give, look at their hearts. Like look at that. some of the kids this morning, they went up to the bucket and went, yeah, you know, that they, they have a great heart. Or, or remember a few weeks ago um, during Palm Sunday when they had all that energy and all that heart, 
Like, notice, notice the heart of our children. See their hearts. They may not know all the doctrinal ins and outs, but they do know that there is a God, and they love singing to him. And, and where are we supposed to write these laws again? On our hearts. On our hearts. And because they are on our hearts, we will pass them along to our children. And our children will place them on their hearts. Teens in the room this morning, you have a job to do. You've been preparing for it for a while. And no, your job is not to go to college or to trade school or to the, the military. That's not the job I'm talking about this morning. The, the, the job I'm talking about is that, that you need to recognize your place in this gathering. You need to recognize your place in this community. Look, look at how the children look at you. Like, they, they, they adore you. They admire you. They look up to you. We've been hardwired from the very beginning to look up to those who are older than us. They're looking to you for advice. They're looking to you to see what, how you worship God. Your faith will inspire them. Your continued participation in the community of faith will encourage them to stay connected when they get to be your age. My favorite age group has to be teenagers. And I'm allowed to have a favorite, and don't quibble, don't fight me on this. I love teenagers. I love your youth. I love your enthusiasm. I love even your concerns and your angst because it reminds me of things that I need to be reminded of. You know, if I don't get to this concert this particular day, my life is over. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't do that anymore, but I have my own little problems. And I, I see what you feel and your passion in it, and I, I love that. I'm now an empty nester, but I'm happy to help teens. Love them. I'll even drive through the storms last week to get to talk to them. But teens, you're not off the hook. Hook. Um, hook. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I can say that. Uh, all right. Yeah, you have a job to do. How's that? You have to stay in the village. You have to stay in the mix and reach the children on one side and those older than you on the other. We need you but you also need us. As your life goes through changes, and, and this is the, the one coming, seniors, is, is the biggest change of your life so far. You're, you're getting ready to pack up your things, put it in the car, move away from home, and be independent on your own. That's, and that's a hard change to go through. You may spin out of your parents' orbit for now, and that's part of the plan. We, we understand that. We get it. However, we must be reminded this morning that none of us ever spin out of the orbit of the Father. None of us ever spin out of our Father's heavenly orbit. He calls you to remain connected to the faith community, to play your part in this journey, and to pass on the faith in God and the love of God to the next generation. Well, we've said enough. I don't know where all of you are, so I'm going to ask those seniors that are graduating, wherever you are, would you please stand so we can read you, or I can read you, a short blessing. There they are. First of all, well done. This is a blessing I wish to give you. There are many stories, and they began at the water's edge. 
which is why Jesus began his story by walking to the water and entering into it with John the Baptist. You're in the water. You're in the story. This story will cleanse you. It will transform you. It will transport you. Stay in the water. Stay in the village. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart and within his. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, at exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, for freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy in the name of Jesus. May God bless you with enough foolishness to think you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. And may the blessing of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies be upon you and all you love this day and forevermore. Amen.